Cover My Ass, an improvisational literary critique podcast where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. I'm Kaki. Hi, and I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And we find ourselves once more among the towering stacks of your library. Now, you've selected something cracking for us today, so can you tell us more about it? Yes, it's a book which I completely forgot to actually yes. take off the shelf. Let's it's go take <laughs> it off the shelf. Doop, 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 doop. Coming off the shelf now. It's coming down here. Oh, yes, it's called Dagger's Point. Yes, that's it. Dagger's, Dagger's Point, Point by, what does it say here? Anne Logston. Anne Logston. Shall we try this one again? Yes, let's. It's Dagger's Point by Anne Logston, and it's a classic when it comes to 80s fantasy, science fiction fantasy, really. For the readers at home, uh, if you check your podcasting device, you should be seeing the cover right now, and otherwise you can check the show notes for a link. Speaking of links... Links, yes, links, very good. The feline-type alien uh, lands on planet of elfinesque numenoids. Because she's not quite human either, is no, she? Which, which the, which the artist is represented through the, uh, the pointy ears that this... Uh, a tunic young yeah. woman is uh, not quite hiding. She's wearing a, a 1980s Pilates sweatband on her forehead. Yes, she could have tucked her ears under that. Then it would have been like very much Spock in Star Trek: For the Voyage Home. That's the one. Yeah. No, I've never heard of it. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't have that entire film memorized. Uh, that's Ruraf, right? Yes, that's the, that's our main character. That's here. our 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 hunky protagonist right. with his. Uh, I mean, if we look closely at this image, that's that's rather an asymmetrical twenty-nine pack that he's that it he's is, rocking there. It is. As you can see on the cover, it, there is a very beefcake look to this uh, cover. I, I find myself unable to look away. Almost when I read it myself, I got an impression of it being him being furred all over, and this is just purely eye candy. Get people to oh the glistening pecs. Gra- yes, yes, like understood. You're Unless he's t- being shaved. Ooh, it's like if you, yeah, there was no, that would have been a scene, wouldn't it? You was gonna say yeah. they make such a point of clipping all of his all of his nails, so many nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that if this was part of his grooming, the back four in the front, and then two pores, and like your forearms, and then you've got the dew claws. Yeah, there's a lot of grooming involved. Lots of soft brushes and hard brushes and wire brushes. And if any of that had involved shaving, then you can bet that uh, uh, Miss Anne Logston would have uh, would have yes. certainly regaled us with all the details of that. Right. Also, uh, I mean, you've seen. Sphinx cats. I've cuddled Sphinx They've, cats. They don't have bronzed, oiled no. skin. They have their they're pale they're and white and, and, usually, hiding, and, and usually hiding under a blanket. Hiding under a blanket or cuddling up very close to you because it is so cold in Moscow. And I never really got the point of Tars. Tors? What is it? Tors or Towers? I always forget. Well, I think it's a regional thing like mm, soda, tomato, pop, Tors, they're, they're obviously an allusion to classical themes, but even then, I think they're yeah, just like a matter of sexual virility. Yeah, definitely. The horse has always been a very virile symbol and mm. to combine that with a creature capable of speech and then combine that with a, a creature capable of incredible feats of agility and and, and predatory uh, elegance and danger and menace and, and uh, arousal. Mm. Oof, oof, getting a little hot in the collar here. <laughs> hard to... Uh, Hard to keep focusing with all of those all of those abs. I wonder if we can make it just tape some of those abs down uh, so we can focus on because Ruraf... Uh, yes. The stranger in a strange land is joined by uh, the young woman. Her, her name is Madeline, and she's a bit of an outsider in her land as well. Like she's not alien by no, any means. Well, she's 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 one of the living on the fringe 
outcast for some indeterminate reason, well, at least at the beginning of the book. Of course, she sees the uh, the spaceship coming down and... Uh, yeah, skimming land- one of the proud yeah. mountains. Well, yes, it's like any landing you can walk away from is a good one, and any sp- one you can use a ship again is great. This was definitely <laughs> not a great landing. <laughs> uh, See, but this is interesting. Uh, it didn't occur to me until much later in the book that she was an outcast. She seemed to me like a frontierswoman who was striking out in the, uh, in the wilderness, who had yes. left behind the comforts of... Uh, civilization to explore the wild unknown. The, mm. They describe the, the mountain range that, that might have been the, the rim of an old supervolcano. Yes, and as you say, it's like the, the landing is clearly uh, makes an impression on the terrain here, much to the chagrin of the uh, local populace who see, they see this as a defilement of, of their yes. mountain, which causes the, the populace to move out of the uh, out of the village, or at least go on a pitchforks and... Uh, Torches uh, rant, which of course then brings yeah. him, finds Madeline out in the open, and she immediately gets blamed for this occurrence, even though she's like, you know, as unfair as it is uh, for the for the local townspeople to come and uh, to come and pursue her, she is sheltering an actual alien. Oh, absolutely, yes. It starts off with the, like the alien unconscious at first when you. It's put a bit of a mean cute, really. It is, and I don't know. There's no questions asked about how she manages to haul him away from where she finds him, you know, because he outweighs her by factor two, maybe three. I oh, no, I don't think that it's, 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 it's completely that... hand-waved. Like, it's mentioned that she built this cabin herself, and it's a long cabin. True. Uh, and for someone to be able to do that, uh, of her stature or anyone else's stature, like, it requires some ingenuity, so she probably has a, you know, a sled that she has access to. I no, that. No beast yeah. of burden mentioned, no. of course. Of course, it could also be that the, uh, the cover artist in the uh, pursuit of the hunkiness has also made, like, him almost twice as tall as she is, when, in fact... Do you think that maybe he's the size of an actual cat? <laughs> well, that would be... <laughs> You think that maybe we're supposed to? Well, no, that would I mean, make the scenes where he's, where she's riding on his back quite. Yeah, that would be, no, that wouldn't work. But if you like, assume well, yeah, a decent-sized pig. If you I mean, assume his lower pig. body to be the size of a uh, you know like a lion or so, like and then his upper body would like it'd be like yes, exactly. It wouldn't, the... it wouldn't be much taller than a standing human, rather than the like she comes up to his. Hip. It does make sense because in in Logston's prose, it does show up that they, they they saw eye to eye. Like they that expression comes back several times, and she's never looking up at him. He's never looking no. down at her. No, totally, totally. No, I agree. This well, artist must uh, have been taking some uh, yeah. some liberties. This artist, by the way, is it Bob Ross? I mean, look at the brush the back, strokes the on the background. The, right? I would say, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never seen him draw humans or. Well, I think leases. the rest might have been a, a paint over job, but right. they might have just taken oh, a, a Bob Ross right. original because yes. even the 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 head of the links. That looks like a, a triple paint over. It doesn't. Yes, that doesn't look like it was drawn at the same time as the twenty nine. <laughs> it and looks half like picks. someone. It looks like someone took a, like a, a sticker of a lynx head and exactly. <laughs> like maybe it first it was a lion and then uh, uh, and then Anne Logston changed her mind. Now it's going to be lynx. It's hard to tell because he's actually sitting, isn't it? Like yeah, he's got his. Is hand, he on his haunches? Oh, it's he's, hard he's to tell. Got his hand, oh, I see. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Hind paws flat. Yeah, so he's definitely sitting. Uh, which must be really awkward. The Can't spine. Be... What well, does the spine do? Oh, yeah, the spine and then the lungs. I mean, imagine how this... I mean, lungs, they breathe in. And, like, where do they stop? I mean, do they go down into the humanoid like torso, stomach? A second set of lungs. 
What's right, so, in there then? I know, but and of course, the digestive tract is it like just an extremely long. Is it the esophagus? Uh, the esophagus yeah. is what it's called until it meets the stomach. Like, yeah. do they have just the one stomach, or do they have multiple stomachs? Like, uh, it's, it's a carnivore, so I would would not assume that there's to be multiple stomachs. It has to be like yeah, okay. I would, I would think that like there's like it maybe just goes like straight down. I mean, that, maybe that's why he needs twenty nine abs to like help that food moving down. <laughs> yeah. Like peristaltic, create the peristaltic him, movements. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> we only ever see him like. Munching on on squirrels and small game, yeah. so well again he might just be very small, and her riding him might just be fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to choose to believe that he is a very small tabby lynx, or maybe a real lynx size, but that would be like a real lynx size. That would be like something of her riding him. It would be like one of those people on those mini she bikes, be which are just like, <laughs> you know, like yes, no, that's great. That's what it is. That's what it's going to be for me, and you can't tell me otherwise unless you have evidence from the book, which hopefully will uh, uh, will come across now that we actually have a copy sitting here next. Okay. To charge into battle scenes, but it's so great. It's, it, would, it would make fun because, like you know, the title of the book be... is Dagger's Point, so it's not like she's brandishing a claymore. It's like uh, he it's... Is, well, not a claymore. What's it called? I think it's a glaive. It's a glaive on a stick. Glaive well, on a glaives stick. are always on a stick. That's the whole Are point they? of a glaive. Yes, I've seen crow. That wasn't a glaive. They call it a glaive. Really? Well, yeah, it's uh, the five-pointed thing. I'm pretty sure that's a misnomer. I think it's the it's the Krebstar glaive. I thought it was like a grown-up. You've got glaives and you've got guizarms, uh, and then you've oh got. Oh my like, god. And, uh, what else do you have? Lancet is uh-huh. one of them, and a lucerne hammer. There's like dozens of different heads that you can put on a polearm, and they all have a different name. Wow. Yeah, no, it's a, there's a... Can you name some more? Not off the top of my head. Yeah, <laughs> but without books. looking anything up, can oh, you name some more? That's a, um, one of the things I noticed, one of them is like a mystery linguistic expert, you know? There's a little bit huh. of showing in like, uh, I mean, he's healing, obviously, and he was severely injured. Yeah. But still, during the unspecified period, they somehow learn how to communicate. There's no universal translators, there's nothing like that. It's a bit of enemy mind, isn't it? Uh, a little bit that, but it's like when there's the first confrontation with the, uh, the villagers that involves both uh, Rura and Madeline mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, he's clearly he says a few things and he's clearly completely understanding of yeah. quick dialogue between I thought that uh, was very interesting because it, it, it sort of cast his earlier uh, silence as more of a you know taciturn attitude rather than uh, than ignorance on the on the spacecraft that delivered him to this uh, uh, this planet they must have done some uh, investigation prior to their arrival clearly a civilization that has not invented radio transmissions yet <laughs> you can sit there in your spaceship orbit the planet and you know unless you get a telescope on the right place it's like you're not going to see very much even you might luck out with a, with a Rosetta Stone but then what would you compare it to yeah how do you know uh, what you it might, sounds like you, you, might see, you might see uh, yeah nowadays if you look at from the from the space station like cities are completely lit up and you can like make out the outlines of land masses simply for yeah, places but, where it's lit up and where it's not but from you know, orbit, how would you distinguish a campfire from some fireflies? Yeah exactly I don't think you'd see that from orbit then again cats have very good night vision mm. And to be honest, I really like the, the the concept of cats bouncing around in zero gravity. So, I mean, you've seen you've seen the video of cats in the vomit comet, and like they have the go, they have the go like they, they turn into complete spinners when they just like try to find find out which way is up, and they just do their like I'm trying to get my fog, land on my feet thing. Like, I can just imagine if you give a cat a week to figure out, they'd be fucking amazing in, in zero g. They'd be absolute athletes. Well, let's yeah. get some cats up to the ISS. I see we have a candidate right here. Well, I, I, the little librarian ass. She sheds like crazy. It's so that I wouldn't like want to wish that upon anybody who has to clear out the air problem with on exactly the and the CO two scrubble. I guess that's where the uh, the Sphinx has come back in again. Ah, space. I guess that's where the myth of space goblins came from. Someone put a helmet on a Sphinx cat. That's the cutest thing. 
with those big old eyes. I know that some people find them upsetting to look like, but I think they're utterly charming. They're like walking testicles. It's well, (laughs) there are nicer ways to describe. I was going to call it God's creature, but no, it's certainly one of ours. I was going to say. And who knows when we breed them through a few more uh, generations of aesthetic uh, enhancement, they'll have. A 39 and a half pack of abs just like Ruraf over here. Ruraf, I mean, I love his pelt, and I'll, I'll remember, speaking of pelt, mm-hmm. how many references to ear tufts are in this oh, book? Oh, I know. I think it is Mrs. Logster. I know. And it's like, well, who can blame She has to be a cat owner because, as a cat owner yourself, you no, undoubtedly absolutely. recognize this where you. Yes, exactly, where you. on the tips of their ears. Absolutely. It doesn't happen in the book, but you can see there's certain scenes where there's like her fingers are itching and she wants to like stroke <laughs> over his hair and scratch his ears and because she very conscientiously like avoids the the traditional trope of a romantic subplot like yes mm. there is there is tension there 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 are two people in intense situations isolated from their from their civilization with no one to depend upon except each other but it doesn't automatically descend into romantic dependence there's a very strong friendship that is that is earned and tested despite uh, the, the the whole sexual connotations that towers like in a traditional greco or roman uh yeah tradition uh, have there's like a few allusions to desires oh she's nothing. a hot-blooded woman and he's yeah, yeah. a and he's a hot-blooded gap man yeah, yeah, yeah. Tour. No, there's definitely Horse. like you know the whole her waking up between his paws and oh by which you mean she's lying against his against his belly she's not right yes okay no okay you've read the book just making sure that scene. <laughs> wow. i gave it to you on thursday wasn't it Sure. We're recording this on Sunday, by the way, so... <laughs> I'm a speed reader. I know, I know, I know. But it's it's Ruraf who decides that he won't suffer the coward's fate. He won't be hidden. He won't lie about no. his uh, his presence. Well, there's also that he has to get, like, after they cart off what's left of his ship, and he, re- he realizes that he is stranded on this planet, and he still has his assignment to take care of. He does have to go and get back to the communications gear that has been hauled away as a trophy as well trophy we call it their holy mountain got defiled you know the thing that yes. the defiled thing must be taken back and that's why they find it in the temple of course see I think that the uh, the chief templar what was his name uh, Mari the chief templar is going to be a more significant character or would have been a more significant character had this series continued because yeah. there is specific mention about how much he uh, personally he hoards the, the various artifacts that have come off this uh, off this craft yes, yes exactly no, yeah yeah this they said like how the, the, the whole sub-chapter about him hunting down the scavengers exactly the, 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 the local lads who made off with uh, a few things and how they are it's, I think he's it's extremely all, possessive of it yeah yeah I think it's also a, a, an easy shot to show of his ruthlessness how, how ruthless he is towards anybody who crosses him without actually having to inflict that on the main characters so if you yes. put it on a few yes. throwaway yeah. street rats yeah. who made it off with a piece of technology who meet a rather gruesome fate at the hands of Mari uh, and not, as you would think, at Ruraf, who, considering his penchant for uh, uh, for squirrels and, uh, and, and, and and moles, would surely love a few tasty rats. So he has to get back. They need to get their stuff. It turns into a bit of a, a fairly standard sci-fi trope. Uh, like See, the I, kind of, I kind of disagree there, because the standard trope would be to disguise themselves and enter the city. You're not going to disguise a fucking... Exactly. <laughs> like, he can't do it, and neither yeah. can she. She should be, be recognized. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so there is no way that they can stealth their way into the city, which is why they require the assistance of the Mountain Tribe. While I was reading it, I thought it was sort of a delaying tactic on, on Miss Logston's part, uh, introducing a new civilization that doesn't ultimately 
ultimately contribute too much to the to the plot, but I think it really allows both uh, Madeline and Ruraf to uh, uh, to develop and to, and to show that they both have leadership qualities that are very different and also kind of incompatible with one another. Uh, he's yeah. the more empathetic, but at the same time also more hierarchical. She's the more determined, but at the same time also more egalitarian. And surprisingly enough, she's the one who uses her blade to show the fact that uh, you know she's like diminutive. Uh, you know, this is the eighties again. Like this, like. Hey, in my eyes, uh, Ruraf is is four and a half feet tall. <laughs> so go ahead, imagine what you want. He's more like nine and a half feet on the cover. That halberd is clearly one of the mountain tribe weapons. That, yeah, because which, he know, adapts what, very easily yeah. to that. Uh, well, uh, scout, you know, they're, they're selected for like being like he's 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 sent here with his uh, with his shipmates. But to, he's much more uncomfortable with Madeline and her and her more urbane uh, ways, despite the fact that she's living out on the frontiers, mm. she's still brought with her yeah, yeah. literacy and a sense of propriety and order. The mountain tribes which, there, which, nomadic nature, seems much more compatible to his sensibility. Which makes you wonder how his species developed spaceflight. Perhaps an extension of their own nomadic... There's no clear scene at the beginning of the book about technobabble in the in, in the book about what, why this shaft is... None that's translated. Well, the, the few examples of Rurav's language, they're positioned as if it's swearing. I kind of like to think that this a little techno babble that it's a little uh, that he's just trying to explain some some terms that he just does not have any equivalence for in in Madeline's language. Yeah, the, the, the hissing and the spitting, you know, it's like I th- yeah, it's, it's probably more swearing than techno babble. But I'm, no, I'm talking about the beginning, the, the actual crash yeah, scene. Yeah. There's no like the gravity compensators are failing or blah blah blah. The description is not from the crew's perspective; it's from the observed I mean, not, by Madeline yeah. and her squirrels. Rest in peace. Well, and cooked squirrel. I mean, they came in handy when he was hungry. Spacecraft cooked squirrel. All the rage, except it requires crashing a very expensive scout ship. But you do get that hydrazine burn, which you don't normally get on uh, other squirrels. Oh, you don't, that, you don't that's get a little, just a little sizzle. Little you, don't get that on, you don't get that on the grill. Okay, well, clearly I need to drop by for dinner one of these days. <sighs> you Maybe. provide the squirrels, I'll provide the hydrazine. Ooh, I was going to go the other way around. Okay, I'll just go have a hunt some squirrels. <laughs> you have a point. Uh, and so does the dagger. The dagger. No, the dagger's the mountain, remember? Uh, I know, but I was just I was just putting in my bid for the Segway Award of 2018 right, while yes. it's still... No, okay, so the, <laughs> the dagger, podcast the, host's the, Segway the, Award. The 2018 goes to... No, it's probably not going to be me, but... Uh, we'll see. We have probably one or two more episodes to record this year, so I, <laughs> I can say, I'll, I'll, I'll admit you're in the lead right now. But oh, thank you! <laughs> thank you! Don't count me out yet. The, the titular the dagger's point being the, uh, uh, the, the tip of the sacred mountain, uh, that is inconveniently smashed yes. into by the, uh, I've got to say, dagger-shaped uh, well, spacecraft. Yes. And, but also, they're scouts. They're, the implication is clearly that they're, in, well, maybe not an invasion force, but they're, you know... And that would be called the tip of the spear. Which is another juxtaposition. He wants to get in touch with his people. Uh, but, you know, they, he was sent here to, to, to check if this place was habitable and if it was suitable for colonization. His arrival is definitely he's in the point of the dagger. It, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that she fully understands. No, she doesn't. No, absolutely not. Because she never asks, like, how many of his people there are. She's, she's very uh, compassionate. I mean, outcast as she is, she seems to thrive under it. And I'm sure that it was no great hardship for her to, uh, to a, say goodbye. She, she's a bit of a Mary Sue in that regard, doing well for herself and, like, don't need my... My people don't don't 
don't need those other people. Yes, of course, it's always a coincidence when two characters happen to meet one another. And of course, it's always very convenient that these characters happen to, uh, to have literary traits that makes them interesting to examine because mm. that produces drama. Yes. But in this case, Madeline, the traditional role of the feminine protagonist in, in fantasy is very often starting from a, a desire to leave the status quo. And right. she doesn't have that. She's already left the status quo that was dissatisfactory. She has a new status quo that she's made for herself that she's entirely satisfied with. She's exploring. She's not just subsisting well, on, the, on the rim of, of her civilization. No, you have a good point. She's and, exploring. And which, she's, she's naming things. Right. And I guess in that case, it's a clear similarity with Ruraf, who's also, he's an explorer. He's a scout. He's a, uh, but she recognizes that in him, even though she has no idea about the real purpose of what of of his presence, which is the colonization, habitation, colonization, like there's no there's no numbers yeah, involved. No, no, absolutely not. Well, there's there's the implications that there's a big organization, or at least a very well organized. He talks about his clan, but in Earth uh, historical precedent, like a clan could be as few as fifty people. It could be as 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 many as as thousands. Right. So unless no, because it depends on their reproductive cycle. Yeah. Like how many offspring do there's, they do yeah, they there's, throw? There, there's no clear implication about how many there are. But right. When you talk about yeah. your family, there is a certain numerical value to that. It's it's more than two. Yeah. If you're if you're a family, then it's it's more than two, but it's probably less than a hundred yes. people that you're talking about. Yeah. So when Ruraf talks about his clan, he must have a natural idea of how many that is. He was alone on that ship. It might also be just twenty more people on a bigger ship. Pardon me. Well, of course, yeah, it wasn't the only one. There was yeah, Bob, no, no. which. I love that he had a... It's like a cheap shot. It's like a links. Yeah, but you get one of those in a book. You get one of those. It's like... Wing, wing, and why wouldn't... Like, you've got a Ruraf. Why wouldn't you have a Bob? Why wouldn't that be a name? True, true, true. It, 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 it's certainly been clear to the readers at home how much I, for my part at least, have been enjoying this book up until this point where it takes a serious fucking nosedive into, 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 into ludicrous territory... Um, when they finally, with the help of the the mountain tribes, make it into the uh, into where, the temple uh, and into the into the temple held by held by Mary, uh, where they finally reclaim the gem communicator that has been uh, uh, yes. Ruraf's mission this whole time. So there's been there's been a spectacular lack of techno babble in the book at this point, until the point that they actually start retrieving this technology, yeah. and it turns into this weird, Fucking almost hippie like yes. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. He has to place it on his groin chakra, Crystal which is alignment yep. thing. It it goes completely off the rails. It was and good... how it sparkles, and what kind of cut it is, and how it seems to change, and right. and then fucking Marilyn, who's been this this incredible uh, icon of independence, is just is just captivated by all these pretty jewels. Oh yeah, she's completely besotted. She's completely besotted. His his thirty nine and a half pecs weren't enough for her, but now that he's got bling, just like clearly she did not realize at this point that like sure. If you take that thing apart, it's a prince's ransom. It, it also explains the high priest's like obsession with it as well. I mean, it was clear that he was always like about the hoarding and if the stuff. If you're suggesting yeah. that it's sort of like the ring that it corrupts people around, oh no, it, no absolutely not. No, no, no I'm, just saying, I'm just saying he was, he's, he's just a flat character who's yeah. who just like wants wants wealth and power. I, I uh, thought that there would be more to him. That we'd be like a secretly a scientist under the guise of a, no, 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 it's completely no, out none of that. So Roth gets the whole thing working up in Madeline's cabin in the woods. Yes. Yeah, so they've absconded with the components that he needs yeah. to convince the mountain tribes that having sacked the village uh, they've got they, they have gotten their part of the bargain and like the, that in, was the other part in the carpet there, this was a brutal raid on the on the, on the oh, town yeah, yeah, that's yeah. now no, on absolutely. fire and it's been utterly decimated 
know, but I mean, apparently I, we're supposed to be fine with it, with it as readers. Well, maybe Madeline got her revenge on being scorned. A little bit of a fuck you to the village and, like, you, know, you kicked me out Which and now you... Which would be nice if it had been set up at all. No, she's she's true, never true, true. rancorous. No, no, she's, she's disdainful, but she's it, it completely lost me. So, cue the first scene where the communicator works. Yes. And Rurof gets into contact with his commander. Storm, Fang, Blood, Moon. Uh, there's no spaces the there. Storm, Fang, Blood, Moon, the second, which is apparently his, his, his commander, maybe mother, who cares at this point. This whole time, I've been so excited to learn more about Rurof's civilization. And then the first thing we learned, half the page is about the throne that she's sitting on and how that works for a tour. Crystal communications. The rest is the crystal and communications. Like it's, 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 it's like a combination between a shale loans and a... And is there even gravity? Like, there's, there's straps. There's certainly... A sp- oh, yeah. <laughs> space caps. Yeah. Uh, extra hilarious if you imagine that they're only four feet tall, which is still kind of cute. But oh. even... Just, but still utterly, utterly disappointing. And, and So Stormfang Blood Moon is the is the rest of the dagger, like Rurav thematically, undoubtedly, is the uh, is the dagger's point, point as, yes. per the, as per the title. At this point, Anne Longston is really piling on the metaphors because the mountain is also called the dagger and uh, uh, Madeline carries a... Um, I'm saying yeah, it right, like okay. Madeline carries Madeline, a... Yeah, yeah, no, you can see it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the on the cover. It's the, it's, it's the weapon. It's like, it's, it's kind of like... Yeah, you she's know, got that sheath it's, on it's, her. It's a bit big, no, she's big for a dagger, it. but, you know, it's like dagger is yeah, like... It's not a sword. The thing that Hobbit that, that uh, the Hobbits carried was a dagger. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, daggers can be, daggers yeah. can be big. It's, it's, uh, and I mean, I, at this point, is there anything in the bo- in the story that isn't a dagger's point? It's the metaphor. Well, well the halberd, the halberd, the halberd isn't. I'm but sure that if we read it again, there's 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 somewhere <laughs> that uh, oh, even more that Lawson tries yeah, yeah, to absolutely. allude to it. So I mean, this, this this explains why it was like it it was heralded as a trilogy. I think the the, the publisher did a good thing in justly uh, so in dropping in, that because yeah, it just, was great up until the third act and it goes completely. It off was the so rails. great. I really really loved it. Logson was really really subverting some common tropes in in gender relationship, and especially the fact that like the the reader isn't clearly meant to identify with one or the other. No, both, exactly. Both are both are obviously non non. I was team us. Madeline for for most of the first act. And then Team Rura after the second act, and then Team just finished the goddamn book already in yes, the third act. There was a bit of a guilty pleasure to it as well. I mean, Stormfang Blood Moon. Her dialogue was so over the top. It was it was I, kind of delicious. Do you think it's like her? It, it's Anne's own voice if, coming so, out through yeah, that. If, if there was any Mary Sue in no. this in the story, it would have been Stormfang Blood Moon. Mm. And I kind of, you kind of get one of the, oh, no, no, I hated it. I hated it so much, but on the other hand, I want to give it to her. But it's like the the second chapter of Dune. Hey, there's a book we haven't mentioned before. Frank Herbert's Dune. Frank the was second glowing chapter, purple eyes. Yeah, yeah, glowing purple eyes. The second chapter has uh, uh, the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. It uh, starts off with uh, him him uh, monologuing, and then, is this not a wonderful thing that I, the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, comma, do? It's a terrible sentence. It's yes. rubbish. And it's kind of fun as well. Well, it's kind of. I think that's maybe what she was going for. Like maybe like on the cover of the head, it it looks like it was pulled off and then stuck back on again. Like I still don't, (laughs) I still don't get the whole buff toned chest and the fuzzy. I mean, the the fuzzy rest is absolutely adorable, but absolutely down to the the little fluffy tail. There's not much. No, there's not on. It's not on the screen, but certainly in the in our mind's eye. He has to have that like cute adorable. I mean, he's like he's he's something just occurred to me. Yeah, her sweatband. 
and uh, Stormfang Blood Moons' crown with a with a with a gem set within it. Do you think there's anything to that? I mean, it would have oh. to be kind of a like it was described as, as Tiara. It was, it was, was clearly not. It was clearly not in the book. But the 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 the, the, the cover artist might have uh, yeah. But what picked if, up on that? It's... What if we? Here's a wild idea. What if we just imagine what the book could have been about instead of accurately reviewing what the book was actually about? What if we just went off the cover, hey, and just and just let our imagination. Run. No, okay, you know you're right. I can no, see that we'd, we'd, never, we'd never do that. No, we'd we'd never never do no one would listen to that. <laughs> nah, that's bullshit. So thank you for joining us on Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read. I'm, my name is Kaki. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. I forgot what my name was. But you're telling me my name is Kaki, and I'm Kay. And remember, I think we nailed it. Good job. Good podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>